Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, where it's still 63-17 forever. I'm joined here today, uh, this is Nick, joined here today with Ben, and we got Cody as well. Cody, what are we going to talk about today? There's there's actually a lot of issues. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Clemson. I mean, for it to be, what is it, April? It just started in April. I feel like there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. Primarily, like, we're going to, I want to hit on spring practice. There's, we finally have filtered through some of the crap. And we can draw some conclusions. Uh, March Madness, we'll touch on that. Uh, Rashawn Smith's commitment, I think, is huge. Five-star linebacker. We're just we're like just stacking the deck with recruits right now. And uh, and we'll talk a little bit of it about baseball because I think that's important. Uh, actually, where I want to start though, Tully, you're the one guy in our whole group that's not from South Carolina. That's you, true. You came to Ohio, or you came from Ohio to Clemson. So I got to ask you, why why Clemson? Very good question. Um, the easiest way to answer it is I visited, and that was that. Um, visited campus kind of the spring before I was about to graduate. It mostly applied to schools um, in Ohio, in Indiana, basically. I uh, was pretty content to hang out up there, um, but definitely, you know, wanted to check out the South. Um, had heard about Clemson from a high school friend of mine who was attending there, visited her, um, and really just fell in love with the atmosphere. Um, energy of Clemson, as well as just the beauty of the campus, um, everything in general. So visited then, kind of um, applied, locked it in, and uh, attended there from Ohio, where really weren't too many uh, too many folks uh, from my home state um, at Clemson, but it was great. Yeah, no, unless you're going to Myrtle Beach, uh, that you don't see too many Ohio people. <laughs> yes, if you want to find Ohio Yankees, uh, head to Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and stop there. <laughs> And don't go any further. So, so you pick Clemson, and it sounds like pretty much a football player spill. They like the the family atmosphere. the The campus is just mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did they embrace you? You didn't. You came in with your I don't want to, for lack of a better word, Yankee accent, which really just means you talk normally. Right. But you didn't have a Southern accent. How did how did Southerners embrace you? Yeah, good question. Uh, my roommate uh, freshman year was from um, Atlanta. Effectively, um, mostly hung out with folks from South Carolina and Atlanta my freshman year. And, um, you know, I'd say they were pretty open to, um, you know, meeting a kid from up north. Um, Definitely came in with, you know, a decent amount of admiration for college football and respect for Clemson. Um, Wasn't, you know, the official kind of Clemson authority at the time, but, you know, definitely respected what they'd done historically. So, um, you know, I would say having kind of a football interest background helped me out. But, um, yeah, pretty pretty easy to acclimate. I think you got to be open coming from the north to, um, you know, maybe sometimes – kind of having to prove that you're not kind of a Yankee a-hole, for lack of a better word, uh, to the Southerners. But once you get there, um, I think generally you can get embraced. I gotcha. That's that's fair. And you're, you're a people person, so I'm sure it came pretty easy. Um, so Ohio, I heard they have a pretty good football team there, the Buckeyes. Uh, yeah, Buckeyes uh, just came off their <laughs> um, second national championship in my lifetime. Um, some would say the, the one with um, under Jim Trussell was contested. Due to a pass interference call, but uh, this one was pretty legit, putting a whooping on Oregon after beating Alabama and before that Wisconsin pretty well. Yeah, I I don't even like Ohio State, but just the fact that they beat Alabama meant so much. But like Ohio State, they care about football. Ohio cares about Uh, football. How do you compare that to Clemson and South Carolina and their passion for football? Yeah, I mean, um, certainly both states. I think that would be the the default sport, um, top sport in the state. I would say, uh, well, 
One thing to note, in Ohio, certainly the Buckeyes are kind of the, the only game in town when it comes to college football. Um, you know, they, they had, um, you know, a lot of success really in the 60s and 70s. So, you know, I was born in the early 80s, um, kind of coming off their, their big run. So um, certainly Ohio State football growing up was a really big deal. Um, so, you know, that was definitely huge. But I would say, um, you know, since there are like NFL teams, there are pro baseball teams, Cleveland Cavaliers, your attention sort of is divided as an Ohio, Ohioan growing up or really generally living in Ohio. Um, your, your attention is divided from, as a sports fan perspective. I would say in South Carolina, it's either Clemson football or South Carolina football, first and foremost, um, where, you know, I would say that's the big difference. But um, I would say, yeah, people are equally kind of maniacal about their, their team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What, uh, so you graduated in 2002. Who was the big man on campus? For, like for me, I graduated in 2010, and CJ Spiller, of course, was the big man on campus. Who was who was your guy? Who was your favorite player, and and also what was your take of Clemson football during that time period? Yeah, I'll start with um, generally the the guy that uh, everyone was all about. So um, I'd have to say that would be Woodrow Dantzler, uh, Woody. He um, you know was sort of my freshman year. He was the he was like a redshirt freshman and kind of waiting in the wings behind Brandon Streeter. Um, that was Tommy West last season. So um, when Tommy Bowden came in, he really took a look at the landscape of the offense, saw the talent he had, and really uh, stuck Woody in. Uh, and really, um, Woodrow flourished under his offense. So Woody was the man. I actually was in a history class with him as well. Pretty cool guy. So um, he was definitely it. Um, as far as um, just kind of the spirit of Clemson football, like I said, like Tommy Bowden coming in, really that was the big story. Um, he had some success, I would say, um, his first few years especially coming off a, a kind of dull latter half of the 90s stretch. So um, we were pretty happy with uh, sort of competing, not necessarily for ACC championships, but you know, giving his dad a run here and there in the Bowden Bowl, um, really putting Clemson a bit more on the map from a national perspective. So um, stuff was good there. Um, so I guess enough about me. Um, maybe as we, as we stick with football, though, uh, right now, you know, we're, we're in – um, really the early part of April. Spring game's coming up, orange and white game. We're going to take a look at really how some of the depth chart's going to play out this coming season. Um, hopefully everyone stays healthy in that game. Um, but maybe I'll flip it over to you, Ben. Um, in terms of spring practice, what you've, what you've read about, what you've heard, um, what are your kind of thoughts, main takeaways from spring practice? Well, this is a time of year where you, you hear a lot of coach speak. Um, so you're not going to get a lot of insight necessarily from them. You'll hear some good things about some guys. You'll hear some some things that they can improve on. Uh, we don't hear a ton of, of really negative stuff coming from the coaches, um, but they're also very uh, conservative uh, with their praise, I think, and it's, it's really hard to get a read sometimes, especially with uh, uh, Brent Venables, uh, the defensive mm -hmm. side. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, and, and we're We'll see in the spring game. We'll, we'll all finally get a chance to, to see the guys in person, uh, see how they look. Um, we got to remind ourselves that we're practicing and scrimmaging without, uh, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, we're going in with our backups, uh, the second string, and two incoming freshmen, who by all accounts have done really well. You know, you hear kind of what we expected to hear from... Uh, yeah, good talent. Yeah, good talent. Um, Israel can throw, and uh, Kelly Bryan can run. We knew that coming in, and they each need to work on the, the things they don't 
teams will at. I'm uh, a little bit surprised. Uh, I guess you hear a lot of good things about Schusler and how he has a firm grasp right now on the, the backup spot. Hmm. You don't know if that, you know, they're really trying to push the other guys. Honestly, from what I've seen him play, I haven't been terribly impressed. Right. But you got to think when those third string guys are out on the field, they're also out there, usually with a third string offensive line and receivers and running backs. Sure. Uh, so so it's, for them to make a mark could be interesting, could be compelling. Exactly. Whereas Schusler's out there with, you know, the studs. Yeah. And I, I'd love for him to do great and, and, and be good enough to lock down that backup role. Mainly because you definitely want to see one of the freshmen redshirt. And it's good to have a guy with experience as your backup. Especially knowing uh, Watson and how he's been a bit injury prone. Uh, you know, Taj Boyd, we always knew nothing was going to take him out of the game. Yep. Watson has shown that, you know, he can get hurt. We've also shown, he's also shown tremendous toughness and ability to bounce back from injury. Mm. So that's a positive. But at the same time, you need to know you have a guy back there um, who's ready to go when he's called upon. Cody, uh, maybe you can comment. I mean, to think back maybe even 12 short months ago, uh, where we were in our quarterback situation. We had sort of a, um, you could almost say, a, a two- or three-headed monster coming in to uh, replace Todd Boyd. Um, if you can remember back, where did you think the quarterback battle was going to play out um, even la- as early as last year? Yeah, it, the season? it's so interesting when you like take it take it all in, what has happened, what has transpired over the last 12 months, because at one point I, I really thought that Chad Kelly would be our starting quarterback. And based off of his antics in a Buffalo nightclub, uh, I think I think we made a good choice, and we axed him. I knew Deshaun Watson was good; had no idea he would be this good. Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate that he's been a little bit injury prone. And frankly, like Ben was talking, he he has been injured. The, the actual the spectrum of how good we can be, how and how bad we can be. I don't, I don't want to say bad, but our floor and our ceiling are vastly different, and it all it's all contingent on how well he plays and and, and obviously his health. More importantly. Um, I'm optimistic, though. The, my, my, the biggest reason I'm optimistic, not just about his health, but overall for the offense, is the offensive line. And that starts with, uh, it starts with one, the maturation of Isaiah Battle, who is a first or second round talent, draft, you know, NFL pick talent. Um, he's finally put it together. So he's come into camp the last several years at like 270, 280 at the most. And he really needs to be at 300. The guy's like 6'7". Mm-hmm. So this year he comes in at 315. So that tells you he's put in the work and the, and the you know, strength and conditioning or in the cafeteria. Or in the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he's supplementing his... his uh... <laughs> and Harkham. Harkham, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so, but, anyway, so he uh, he's put in the work. In between the years, it seems like he's got some things going. But it's a trickle-up leadership effect because these four uh, these four freshmen, true freshmen, Mitch Hyatt, Jake from Morgan in particular, are coming in and they're, they're ready to play. It's an attitude. That I don't think it's been there at the offensive line. And I think what's most notable about, you talked, Ben mentioned, Coach speak. Coach Sweeney said that in the last 12 years, this is the best offensive line he's seen since he's been at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Scott said since 2008, this is the best he's seen. And, right. and obviously, you're filtering through all this. Right. But if they're going to make that bold of a proclamation, I feel like there's something there to back it up. Yep. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. So what does that mean, ultimately? Like How good is our offensive line going to be? It's hard to really make a conclusion. But I'm going to say that 
I'm going to say at least we're going to be above average. We're going to be solid. And yeah. I, I think that's more than what you can say for the last several years. And you're, we'll only be as good as we are deep. I agree. We, and, we need, especially along that front, you need some depth. Uh, guys that can come in, uh, spell some guys during injury or situational just, plays. Especially yeah. with an, uh, an up-tempo <laughs> offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, you know, the guys are recruiting now and, and the recruits are bringing in the offensive line. They're coming in closer to ready to play from day one than we've had in a long time. And that's, that, that is there. Like depth will be an issue there as well. Because even though probably Hyatt and Forbordge in particular are not going to redshirt, I don't think, they're, they're going to have some depth issues. Especially Jay Guillermo is taking a leave of absence. We wish him a speedy recovery. But it, we, we're do, we've done a good job, though. I'm optimistic there's talent there. We can say it's probably one of the most talented offensive lines we've probably had in a while it's it's not experienced talent which is an issue and it's not particularly deep uh this is just something to kind of think about too next year 2016 we're losing four seniors we're going to bring in some guys but man it's going to be a talent a lot of talent not much depth so it's good at least that the priority is there in recruiting so maybe to stick right there with uh 2016 looking ahead um any update cody from what you've been reading regarding recruiting anyone we have coming in that is of note there's a lot of stuff going on right now in recruiting. Um, obviously, the biggest headline would be Rashawn Smith, five-star linebacker out of IMG Academy down in Florida. That They have pretty much a, a, an advanced college team down there with all the four- and five-star guys. That, But I look at recruiting. It's so important. If, if you're not a follower of recruiting, that's fine. But it's, it's the lifeblood of your program. And when you get guys that are program changers like Rashawn Smith, I mean, you think, think Vic Beasley, think Grady Jarrett. Stephon Anthony, that's the kind of impact that you have to have. You have to have these guys to sniff a playoff. And he's, he brings that type of, that type of talent. Uh, Venable said in the camp that he holds in the offseason uh, over the last 20 years, both with Clemson and Oklahoma, it's Rashawn Smith has graded out better than any player he's ever seen. So I think, I think I, I don't know if he's going to be like ready to go from day one. You, know, you saw Stephon Anthony, it took him a little while. But I, I'm, it's a program changer. And this is a building block, just like Christian Wilkins is a building block. Albert Huggins, Deion Kane, Deshaun Watson. This is how you get to be uh, an elite program, and it's just another step. And, I mean, the way I see it, the way things have changed in recruiting for us is from top to bottom, we're bringing in high-caliber talent. It's, it's one thing to bring in one or two or three high-profile recruits, right, like per side of the ball. Yeah. But we've seen in the past how those guys don't always pan out. They have injuries, they have personal issues, character issues, or they're just not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. And when you were just bringing in a few guys of that caliber, and you do have that you risk of not You miss on one. Right. Yeah. Then it affects you more. But now that from top to bottom, I mean, we're pretty much, you know, our recruiting classes have been up there. We're, we're, we're bringing in really high-quality talents. Um, not just you know one or two guys at a time. We're bringing in several guys at a time. We're not necessarily. It doesn't seem like we're just filling gaps or filling needs anymore or hitting, you know, a home run, you know, a solo shot. Right. You know, we're we're hitting grand slams. We're bringing in several Position guys. groups and yeah. Yeah. Would you say um, just from a pipeline standpoint, we've also gotten into a, into a groove of maybe developing parts of the region, parts of the south, parts of the of the country. And we're starting to establish sort of like a, um, basically a good pipeline of talent. 
both with relationships with high school coaches and just generally um, getting into Florida. Yeah, you saw it. You saw it last season with in Tampa Bay. We've never been able to recruit in Tampa Bay, and we got Jake from Origin in Plant, which is a Plant High School, which is a powerhouse in Florida. You had Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod. I mean, it's it's amazing, and it all it all like don't want to be a Dabo lover without <laughs> any time. You know, I want to keep it on, on the on the you know a little bit constrained, but the guys he's done an amazing job. They put. I, my my guess was would be in terms of how hard we recruit the work put in. I bet there's not another staff out there that works harder than we do, and and it doesn't have a better sales guy that, than Dallas Sweeney. And no, it's huge. The pipeline, yeah, you, you couldn't you said it you couldn't have said it better. You know, starting with CJ Spiller, most recently Deion Kane, Ray McLeod, Ray McLeod, Jake from Origin. It, it's looking very bright. Our future is definitely looking very bright. Excellent. We will keep a close eye on uh, all things recruiting. Um, and coming up, likely in our, our, our next sit-down, we'll, we'll talk about the orange and white game, kind of how spring practices are going along. Um, we'll probably get into some, of, some sort of position group depth chart stuff as we move along as well throughout the spring. Um, as we are in spring, um, we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the, uh, the basketball tournament that's about to wrap up here shortly. Uh, but wanted to switch over to baseball really quickly. Um, I would say uh, the main kind of storyline or... Um, you know, uh, thing on, on Clemson fans' mind at the moment has to do actually with the top of the organization um, and Jack Leggett, the skipper. Um, so Ben, you know, knowing how we, we like to approach our sort of coaches and kind of the heads of our organization at Clemson, um, you know, how do you feel like Leggett, Leggett's been doing? What's sort of your take on this, you know, let's move on from Leggett talk. It's been pervading. Well, not not currently living in the South, the availability uh, to watch baseball games is limited. Uh, so, disclaimer is, honestly, I haven't seen one baseball game all year. Yep. Um, it's not as easy to follow as football and basketball. Uh, however, um, baseball is, overall, was my favorite sport to play growing up, so I'm, I'm really into baseball. And, you know, I follow this baseball team, and I have high aspirations for the Clemson baseball team. It's, it used to be the thing that, that kind of brought your spirits up after basketball season, spanning between football. And, and for the past several years, it's just been down. And you started hearing people calling for Jack's head several years ago. And this is coming off of, what, our last College World Series yeah. appearance in 2010? Right. So the last... Um took a look at it last we can just run down the kind of the list of um, sort of accolades for the team um, last representation in Omaha was 2010 uh, the College World Series also that was the last time uh, we took the ACC title um, regular season that is um, the last outright ACC championship was in 2006 uh, so really for the last 10 years it's been a bit of a drought from the national stage standpoint um, really only making it to Omaha twice in the last decade Right, and you know, you know, several years ago, you have one bad, one or two kind of down years after the last College World Series appearance, and all of a sudden people were calling for his head. That's that's premature. He's Leggett has earned the right. Uh, he's done well enough here that he he can go through a couple bad seasons. So that was definitely premature. Now, five years later. And it doesn't take watching a baseball game to look at a box score, look at headlines for our midweek games against uh, Furman and Presbyterian. 
hmm. where you have a it takes a, a walk off victory against Furman, and then you lose the next night to Presbyterian. It's hard to take uh, one of your sports seriously at a big time university with a pretty good solid history in baseball. Not to see that, that there's obviously a problem. Those are teams you should beat easily. And kind of the thing is, is that, you know, several years ago for Presbyterian, that would have been a huge major upset. Not so much. Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not so much. We're just bad baseball program right now. So, it, you know, everybody's calling for his head now, and I think it's more appropriate at this point. Um, what do you think, Ben? What do you... Would you say he should go? And, I, how, and how soon? I, I think there's it's time for a, a change in the program, absolutely. You know, you, you can only go so far, you know, it came in and made changes with sports psychologists last year and things like that, and it just seemed like grasping, grasping straws. And, you know, it comes a point in time where it's just time for a change, kind of like Mac Brown at Texas. Um, and you see how this baseball team is performing either we're not getting the recruiting talent that we need they're not responding to coaching they're not being coached well there's or there's bad decisions or the strategies we have just aren't up to speed with modern modern day baseball so yeah i think it's a time to make a change for sure i think you put it well um sort of drawing in uh, mac brown's name i mean certainly uh leggett you could probably argue he's among clemson's best baseball managers of all time um has really put the program on the map, um, had a lot of success. We've, we've seen players, you know, move on to the next level, play in the pros a lot throughout his tenure. Um, but there does come a point when maybe it is time to move on as a program. And if you do kind of take a look at Clemson in the landscape, I mean, you know, recently renovated stadium, tremendous facility, um, plays in a, a really strong conference, um, certainly has the opportunity and the resources to, you know, make postseasons. So if we sort of do go that route, Cody, do you feel like from a replacement standpoint, we'll be able to bounce back uh, relatively quickly? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I think we would be able to bounce back because in Clemson, South Carolina, in terms of a baseball program, we, there's like there's so many built-in advantages. It's recruiting because there's great baseball in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, in Florida, Florida especially. It's not like you're, you know, you're not having to go to the California to cherry pick baseball players. And, you know, because there's not a huge budget in baseball, obviously. It's there, like it's there, like there's there's talent, and you could say, yeah, hey, you know, Brad Miller came through and he's playing the majors. Kyle Parker came through, but the fact of the matter is, like those guys, you know, came in and they were kind of staggered. We should have a Kyle Parker and a Brad Miller on our team every year. Like mm-hmm. our middle of the lineup should be Brad Miller, Kyle Parker. There's just that much talent there. It's 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 ours for the taking. Like like Ben was saying, we have the we have the tradition, we have the history, and whatever it is, you know, it always comes down to we have a lot to sell. But who's selling it? It's Jack Leggett, and I don't think he's that. I don't think he's the guy. In '94, he could, maybe he could sell it. He could sell a, a kid in 90, 1994 to come to Clemson. I don't think he can sell a 2015 year old kid. I don't. You know, times have changed. Jack Leggett is really overstepping his bound. I mean, he's he's overdue. I, I guess he's one year overdue. Time for him to. Uh, I wouldn't hire him mid-season, but at the end of the year, I think it's it's his time. And he's not going to go, by the way. He's he's a fighter. He's got a lot of grit. He's going to have to be axed. And you can't you can't make the same argument for him as you can for Brad Brownell in basketball, because in baseball we do have facilities. We we've been making upgrades, and there's 
historically been a good turnout from the from the fan base uh, at baseball games. And we are in a baseball hotspot. Whereas basketball, this isn't the best recruiting grounds for basketball. We don't have the best facilities. So you can't make that same argument for, for Jack Leggett. I mean, the tools and the resources are around. We're just not getting it done. Yeah, and the, the thing that I didn't even mention, for one, in football, there's like an ACC or SEC bias. For one, we're in the top conference, pretty much, for baseball. So that's never an issue. Like, we might lose a recruit here in the air in football because we're not in the SEC. It's stupid, but it's, it's a fact of the matter. In baseball, we're not only playing in the best conference – you know, not to get like too like too controversial here, but in baseball, you're talking about a kid that's generally coming from a two-parent home. They value education, and they're not getting a full ride generally. Most you know most players. So Clemson, it's no it's no slouch academically. It's it's there's something to sell. There's so many selling points. Going back to the, the family atmosphere, the tradition, a solid education, a quality education. It, there's no reason we shouldn't be, like I said, having a Kyle Parker and a Brad Miller in our lineup every year, and, and obviously with with uh, with some elite starting pitching as well. So, yeah, he's one year over uh, overseeing his welcome. So I think uh, I think he should be gone by the end of the year. I hate to say it. So uh, point blank, Ben, you're the athletic director. Let's say you've made this decision. You're at peace with it. Uh, at what point do you maybe make an announcement here to move on from Jack Leggett? Well, you definitely want to, to, to show the guy the respect that he deserves for everything he's given to the university. Um, you know, I almost think you let it be known now that this is going to be his last season. You let him finish out the season, and we try to salvage it. Maybe, maybe we salvage it somehow, and the guys step up and respond uh, for a swan song. To, because, to be honest with you, we're staring down the barrel of not making the ACC tournament right now. And that is a long way to fall from five years ago, the last time we were we were in the College World Top Series. Yep. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, we will keep close eye on that one. Um, you know, I think think right where we are with it. But um, you know, until like we can obviously change our mind in like a couple of like good weeks, so we go on a fifteen game winning streak, and then we change our mind. Well, like D Rad said, it's baseball. You're five hundred through the first half of the season. You never know what the second half could bring. But uh, when you're you're barely beating Furman and losing Presbyterian, I'm not too optimistic about that. Um, but I suppose we'll see. And the good part is we took the series against South Carolina. That is true. It's always good to beat them. Excellent. Uh, so. I guess maybe closing out, uh, we can talk about the Final Four. So uh, we will see, starting on Saturday, uh, matchups between got Michigan State versus Duke, and then we'll have uh, Wisconsin trying to take down the David of Wisconsin trying to take down the Goliath of John Calipari's Kentucky. Well, I've got some breaking news, actually, and it won't be breaking news for the people listening to this <laughs> at a later time, but uh, it turns out that... Uh, Texas is filling uh, former Clemson coaches uh, uh, Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes' uh, former position just got fired uh, by VCU's Shaka Smart. Wow. Former That's Clemson huge. assistant coach. So uh, some interesting news uh, with the Clemson-related coaches. Yeah, interesting. Uh, earlier this week, Tennessee jumped right on Rick Barnes. I think he was out of a job for maybe four or five days. Uh, so... Congrats to these guys, I suppose. Yeah, Larry Shiat in the tournament with uh, Wyoming. So you got three former Clemson coaches uh, in the NCAA tur- tournament, all made first-round exits, which is uh, about what we expect. <laughs> We're no strangers to that first-round yeah. exit. 
Um, also note that OP got fired this year from DePaul. Indeed. Uh, so maybe going back to the last four teams standing, uh, certainly Kentucky at this point would still be everyone's favorite. Uh, Cody, where's your head here with this tournament? What's your prediction for, um, first of all, the final game coming into Monday? What's the matchup going to be? And then if you had your druthers, who's cutting down the nets on Monday night? Wow, that I could talk for like thirty minutes right now. I'm, you know, I love college basketball. How about three? I'll give you three. I can give like two and a half. Um, you mentioned Goliath, like this Kentucky is Goliath narrative, and it's it's like it's the media is just perpetuating it. It's it's like yeah, they're good. They're good. They're long. Length always travels with you. Intensity and effort don't always travel with you. You you have some off off games here and there as an 18, 19 year old kid. But when you're seven foot tall and you're, you have a seven foot six wingspan, that's going to come. That's going to show up in every game. They're a long team. They're like they're super long, and they've been dominant because of that length. But what people, anybody that really knows more than the casual fan, I like to think I know a little bit more than the casual fan in terms of basketball. They're not. A, they're not a great like great offensive team. They're not even really good offensively, and they're just out of talent and out offensive rebound and. Exactly. Yeah, like you're you're going to get about they're probably going to get like eight to ten, maybe even fifteen garbage points, just alley oops and things like that. So the thing is, like, can they be beat? Much like the NBA. Much like the NBA, yeah. But except they're playing like the size differential is it's off the charts. Everyone says though, can they be beat? Can Wisconsin can Wisconsin beat Notre Dame? Of course they can beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, can Wisconsin beat Kentucky? Of course they can beat Kentucky because Notre Dame almost beat Kentucky. And so, but really, what do I think at the end of the day? I think Kentucky will prevail. I don't think Wisconsin has the athletes. I think you have to be able to break their uh, dribble drive and dish. I don't think Kentucky, uh, Wisconsin has the athletes to, to really to impro- impose their will on Kentucky. On the other side of the bracket, Duke, who, uh, you know, your fellow ACC team, that's who I'll be rooting for. Uh, they have Michigan State, I think, with Okafor and Winslow. They have a little bit of an advantage there. So I see Kentucky and Duke converging, and again, much like Notre Dame, we're able to penetrate and, and really break Kentucky's defense down. I think Duke has the weapons to do the same thing. Do but they have the shooters? They do. Duke does have the shooters. I mean, Duke does, but their guards are six one and six two. <laughs> and I, frankly, I think I'll take size again. Size travels with you. I'll take a couple seven footers or six foot ten guys, and, and Kentucky's length by a narrow margin over Duke. So how good a shot do you give Michigan State against Duke? Two legendary coaches. Uh, I think Izzo has more Final Fours in the past uh, a handful of years. Ten years, yeah. actually. Yeah, than uh, Coach K. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Michigan State beat Duke. And that's because, for one, you're right, Mich- uh, Tom Izzo. A lot of grit, a lot of fight, and, and good guards. That's They had Trevor Trice, or, uh, yeah, Trevor Trice, and... Uh, and Denzel Valentine, so they have good guards, and you can never discount that in college basketball. On top of that, they've had five days to prepare, and you get a good game plan. You, you never know what can happen, but ultimately, I think Duke prevails uh, probably by like I'm gonna say five or six points. Either way, it should be a good one. I I, I feel like Wisconsin is gonna give them a bit more trouble than maybe uh, most folks think. Um, I do not foresee a Big Ten championship game, thankfully. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Should be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, it's one. Of, I mean, you got to think it's three number ones and a, and a number seven that's still a power in college basketball. It's one of the best in terms of just ratings and everything else. 
it's in, in, the, in the historical ramifications with Kentucky, it's one of the most exciting Final Fours that we've had. We think about UConn, they won as like an eight seed last year. Uh, we've got, we've we've got, got some bad Final recently. Fours recently. You know, with the one and done era, college basketball has been a little bit off. I think this is something that even the casual fan, even the Clemson fan, is gonna is gonna be you know have an open year to. Well, that number seven for Michigan State should have been a lot higher, probably. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely, and all the all the Big Twelve teams that were overranked should have fallen into the big in the Michigan State. Yeah, they should have been probably like four what, five. Would they have three number threes? Yeah, three number threes. Did they all lose the first round, or did somebody make it? Maybe I, Oklahoma made it. I think Oklahoma made it. And okay, and uh, with. With Michigan State, too, I mean, they should have been a four or five. Virginia got screwed there. Another ACC team that was a two seed, they got screwed. Right. Having to play Michigan State in the second round, I think that would have been a team that probably could have been an Elite Eight team, and then they, they ended up losing because... you got to got to win your matchups, though. You, I mean, yeah, um, that's true. Certainly they would have faced them at some stage. Um, I think a lot has been said about Virginia, you know, their, their style of play, their grinded-down defense, but... Um, you know, certainly you're going to face in any tournament experience, coaching, um, and potentially talent that can disrupt you off your game plan. You got to be able to react to that. And the last two years, Virginia um, has really, you know, underachieved. So we'll see. See you next year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in once again. Uh, going forward, next time, next few times we'll review the orange and white game, like we said. Um, and generally um, continue on with um, our march to the football season, um, see how this baseball season winds down, and um, you know, we look forward to connecting with you again. And stay tuned for more information about um, potential other outlets you can interact with us, potentially um, Facebook, website, Twitter, etc. Thank you very much. Go Tigers!